Lord God, we thank you so much for this truth, that you're always there for us. You'll never leave us. Our life is, it is full because of you that we've been rescued from the darkness and that we experience this goodness, this promise that we can proclaim to the world and that we can show to the world just, just by living our lives. And so God, we pray that in this time you would speak intimately, powerfully to our souls, that our hardened hearts would be softened, that we would hear your voice and that it would, it would transform us. It would help us to live in a new way that we would grow more and more in your likeness and, and become more faithful to your word, even as you are faithful to us. And we pray this in Jesus' holy name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Please have a seat. Do you guys have a good Easter? Yeah. So this is like, the, did you have the Easter letdown a little bit? I just kind of like, oh, just, a, just need to take a breath because I just experienced a miracle. That's what it felt like. The flowering of the cross, the band, which they serve. By the way, some of these guys have served for 10 years. All servants. All probably willing to give you lesson, lessons if you want to learn how to play shred on the drums or the piano or whatever. Um, what a good Sunday. Now, okay, so we're starting this series called Wild. And, uh, and uh, it's probably not what you'd expect it to be. We did say that there would be some Highland cows uh, today. Uh, the delivery system got messed up a little bit. So instead, we have two baby sheep called cho chocolate and cinnamon, okay? But the Highland cows, by faith, I can say this, I believe that the Highland cows will come. And if you are faithful, one day you will see a Highland cow out on the grass at Highland Church. But actually, when we see these animals, we're reminded of who we are. We're reminded uh, that we are creatures. We're created by God. And that when we look at them, we discover, well, how funny God is because God created the duck-billed platypus, for one, um, and how beautiful and, and perfect God is. And that, that just as an animal is designed to live in a natural habitat, we also are designed to live in a natural habitat. Habitat. But so many of us become, have become domesticated, haven't we? We've become captives. And so what this scripture that is written to the book, is written to the church in Colossia, it's called the, the book of a Colossians or the letter to the church in Colossia. This one is addressing that. And it is an incredible scripture. And I know it's going to speak to you guys. And so we're going to jump into it. But I just think about this scripture being written uh, 2,000 years, almost 2,000 years ago, after a church had celebrated Easter. After Paul had celebrated Easter and after the church in Colossia had celebrated Easter, they received this word. And I love at the very end of this book, a spoiler alert, at the end of this book, it, it, Paul gives instructions for this letter to be read out loud to the church, in the church. So, th so what we're doing today is, is fulfilling some of that dream uh, that, that God's word would be spoken, God's truth would be spoken in worship. And so here's this scripture. It's beautiful. It says these words, Paul, an apostle, apostle means sent one, of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to, to the saints and faithful brothers and sisters in Christ in Colossia, in the town of Colossia, grace to you and peace from God, our father. In our prayers for you, we always thank God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, one of the things that you're going to notice right away before we move forward in this scripture is that Paul talks a lot about family. He talks about Timothy, who is not his brother, and he calls Timothy his brother. 
And Timothy is actually his subordinate. He's, he, Timothy is someone who Paul is mentoring up in ministry. And yet Paul calls this person who is lower on the totem pole or whatever at his brother. And then he also refers to God, the Father. And then he refers to this, the people in the church in Colossia as the sisters and brothers in Christ. And then he refers to Jesus Christ, not just Jesus Christ, but Jesus Christ, the Son of God the Father. And then he refers to Jesus Christ as Jesus, his brother. So all of these things have been said in these first few sentences in the book of Colossians. What Paul wants you to know is that being part of, being part in a part of humanity is the way that we're designed to live is to be a part of a brotherhood and a sisterhood. It's to be part of a family, more family than even your own family, to be a part of something that is so powerful and beautiful. Not just, you know, the world creates families and they say, this is our family and that's your family over there. That's not what God intended us to experience. God wanted us to experience the family that, that God created, which is all of the children of God. In that, in that song we were just singing, did you notice that we were singing, you split the sea wide open and, um, and then it goes on to say, you did all of these things. You drowned me in your perfect love so that I could, and I stand here today. You did all this so that I could stand here today and proclaim, I am a child of God. Isn't that a beautiful song we sang? Just so that we could proclaim that. That's what God's work in the world is, is so that you and I can say, we're children of God. We're brothers and sisters. Uh, 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 let, me, let me help it sink in a little bit better for you. There's a TV show that I'm pretty sure every human being watched watched every episode of Just Like I Did in the 1980s, and it's called Little House on the Prairie. Do you remember that movie or TV show? I couldn't wait for the new episode of Little House on the Prairie to, to come on TV. And um, it's like, it, it, today's version would be Little House, in, Little House in Paso Robles, don't you think? I think that would be like kind of the comparison. Uh, we live that kind of life here, some of us. Uh, it feels like it. So, um, I mean, we have lambs out in our, our lawn just because we wanted to. That's how it works in Paso. So um, there was something that Laura Ingalls said in, that, in one of those episodes. She had found her best friend, and she referred to her best friend as a kindred spirit. And I remember that sank in as a little kid. I thought, how cool would it be f- to find someone that you literally shared the same spirit, like a spirit of a, of a twin? That's the level of family that Paul is suggesting that, that should exist because we have this, this experience of Jesus Christ who brings us into this family. So here, let's continue reading the scripture that uh, Paul writes to the church in Colossia. He says these words, In our prayers for you, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. There it is. For we have heard of your faith in Christ, Jesus, and of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Their, their love is so, so obvious that people are hearing about it for miles around. <clears throat> and it says these words, you, hear, you heard of this hope before in the word of truth. The word of truth is scripture, the gospel that has come to you. Just as it is bearing fruit and growing in the whole world, so it has been bearing fruit among yourselves from the day you heard it and truly comprehended the grace of God. This you learned from Epaphras. Isn't that a good name? You could name your new kid Epaphras. You, this you learned from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. So Paul is basically saying they have so much love. They have the love of the Spirit. Uh, everybody's hearing about what a loving church you are. And the way, by the way, don't forget where that love came from. 
You know, I've had friends visit Highlands Church from other churches that I've been a part of in the past, from other cities, and they all say the same thing. Highlands is the happiest, most loving church I've ever been to. And I, I, if, that, if that's not your experience, then you're welcome to come into the back and just kick me in the shin after worship because that'll make you feel better. I know that. That's what we designed to do. We want to roll out the red carpet, whatever makes you feel better. No, but we're, it's such a loving church. It is such an incredibly loving church. Well, yeah, there you go. Uh, <laughs> and there's a like silent promo for flag football and smash out hunger. Um, but that's what it's like to be a part of Highlands. And we might start to think that the reason that Highlands Church is a loving church is just because that's the way it is. Just that's who we are. We're just loving people. But that's not the truth. The truth is that we have been changed by the word of truth, by the gospel that we have heard and received by, from different pastors. Not, we've, we, uh, hi, how are you? Have you ever, we don't, we've never had a, we've had a bunch of pastors. Have we ever had a pastor named Epaphras? I don't think so. But there have been a bunch. And actually all of you are pastors too. When you engage in, in community with one another and you speak that word of truth into each other's lives and you help remind each other of the goodness that they have in Jesus then there's transformation that takes place. Now, one of my favorite, favorite lines we kind of skipped over, and it's so beautiful. It says these words. Paul says, So it has been bearing fruit, the gospel, among yourselves from the day that you heard it and truly comprehended the grace of God. Now, grace is one of those weird things. It's like ephemeral, like you can't touch it. It's something that is, is, it eludes you. You hear about grace, and then someone tries to offer a de- description or definition of it when you're a new Christian. You, you go to the dictionary, and you, un- you unpack what's the difference between grace and mercy, and, and you hear it. There's a difference between hearing it and truly comprehending it. There's that moment where you don't need it defined to you anymore because you're like, oh, oh, that's grace. You know, one side note, a lot of people are so hard on themselves right? Have you noticed that? They're, they're really difficult on themselves. They're, they really beat themselves up for stuff. Isn't it interesting that God doesn't? That God extends grace? So one of the things I love to say to people is, we need each of us to learn to extend the grace to ourselves that God extends to us. Stop beating ourselves up and allow allow ourselves to truly comprehend the depth and the power and the beauty of God's grace to us. Extend the grace to yourself. You might write it down, but extend the grace to yourself that God is extending to you. Goes on to say these words. Paul says, For this reason, since the day we heard it, we have not ceased praying for you and asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of God's will, Notice it's about living according to God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you may lead lives worthy of the Lord. That sounds pretty intimidating, doesn't it? Leading lives worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him as you bear fruit in every good work and as you grow in the knowledge of God. Now, what Paul is talking about is a spiritual journey, a process of transformation. A lot of people think that when they encounter God that suddenly it's something that happens right away. Have you ever seen those documentaries where they reintroduce wild animals into the wild? And there's always, it's a delicate thing. It's a tricky thing. Notice uh, there's a picture here and there aren't a lot of people there 
ready to greet that tiger and shake his hand as he comes out. They set up a few cameras so they could observe what it's like. You can see the tiger tentatively walking out into the wild and starting to discover again what it's like to be free. That's kind of like us when we come into new life in Jesus, that we're like those animals that don't quite get how to live in the wild again. That, that there are processes, there's stages, there's parts of transformation that, where we start to discover how to take care of ourselves and how to live freely and, and what it means to have this freedom. That's what, that's what Jesus Christ yearns for us to experience. And I love that when the animals get into the wild, they start to discover their instincts. You know, their long forgotten instincts. Now, the, the so, society or the scientists would tell you that humans' long forgotten instincts are survival of the fittest. Have you guys ever heard of that? Survival of the fittest is called corporate war- warfare. That's the other n- name of it. It's like when you join that, that corporation and then everybody in the corporation this is kind of projecting an experience I've had before. <laughs> I was actually worked in corporate a little, like that's overstating it, but I got the, I get the idea. Um, everybody in that office place that I was a part of was out to undercut the other person so that they could move up the totem pole. Do you, have you ever been in an experience like that? Can you just nod? Just, you don't have to raise your hands. Okay, there's a lot. Where, where the, the way forward in life is to, to, take out other people. The way forward for your business is to make sure that other businesses fail. The way forward for your country is to make sure that other countries fail. The way forward for whatever, any way that you think in order to succeed is to make sure that other people don't succeed. But that's not what Jesus Christ welcomes us into. Jesus Christ actually welcomes us into a true wild experience, the true thing that's before survival of the fittest, before we were fighting against each other, before we were trying to take each other out. Because what we were intended to do is to live in brotherhood and sisterhood with each other and to lift each other up and to pour into each other and to, to, to take care of each other just as deeply and intimately as we would with our own mothers or fathers or brothers or sisters, that there would be no walls between us. That's what Jesus Christ welcomes us into. And that's the true wild experience, not to fight against each other and to war against each other. That's the beautiful image. Paul says these words in Colossians. He says, may you be made strong. He wants you to be strong with all the strength that comes from God's glorious power. And may you be prepared to endure everything with patience while joyfully giving thanks to God the Father who has enabled you to share in the inheritance of saints in the light. Isn't that beautiful? The inheritance of saints in the light who has enjoyed you to have the kind of joy of a cute giggling baby in the middle of a service. Don't get tense about it. Just love that. That's the best sound, isn't it? That is a happy, happy baby. He has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. There it is, the family, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. This beautiful word, transferred into the kingdom, that's the being transferred back into the wild, reintroduced into the wild again that, that Paul is talking about, that we're talking about. 
And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about what that means and what it looks like for you and for me and for our businesses and for our schools and for our government and everything to be transferred back into the wild existence that we were intended to be a part of. Now, when Jesus was surrounded by thousands of people that were in pain and in need and they were seeking out healing and they were saying, Lord, we need you. We need what you have to give to us. Jesus looked out on the crowds and he said that they looked like sheep without a shepherd. Do you know what sheep without a shepherd means? It's called a massacre waiting to happen. I mean, come on. Someone said that the name of the, the first thing they thought of with those sheep was the word lamb chop. That is horrible, people. Come on. Where are you, where, where are your minds? Mmm, yum. Um, <laughs> sheep without a shepherd is a bad thing because it means the wolves are going to come. It means that sheep, what, you know what they do? They actually wander off and they find themselves on the edges of cliffs because they're dumb. They just, they end up on the edge of a cliff and they don't know how to get down and they just go, ah! And no one can get them except the shepherd, not other sheep. They can't help. Food for, food for vultures. <laughs> Did you know, this is the most disgusting fact, so just close your ears if you don't want to hear it. Sheep, if their wool grows out too big, okay, and then it rains, the only reason the wool would grow out too much is because the sheep shepherd wasn't taking care of them, right? So their wool grows out too much, it rains, they, their coat gets filled with so much water that they tip upside down and they can't turn over again because their little legs are like this big and their whole bodies are like this. So they need a shepherd to do that. And if they don't have a shepherd, they explode. Just wanted to tell you that. <laughs> what I'm trying to tell you is if you don't have Jesus in your life, you're going to explode. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> At the very beginning of scripture, God says, he creates the stars. It tells us in Genesis, all the stars in the sky. And God says, it is good. It's salt. It's, something, <laughs> it's, it's, it's awesome. Okay, so then God creates all of the animals. And then God says, it is good. And he creates all the birds. All, it is good. It creates all of the waters, saying, everything, right? Every time, it is good. That's the first creation story. Look at it in Genesis. There's two creation stories. The second of two creation stories has God creating Ha'adam, which means earthy one, Adam. We're used to the word Adam, but earthy one is the direct Hebrew translation. God created the earthy one, Ha'adam. And so then God it creates all the animals and Ha'adam basically goes naming all the animals and apparently thinks one should be called a duck-billed platypus because that's what it looks like. And after he's done all that and, and like Ha'adam is hanging out with a dog because Ha'adam and his dog is supposed to be best friend, but God says not not good. That's the first time God says not good. He says, it is not good for Ha'adam, the earthy one, to live alone. That can't happen. You see, in our, in God's design for our natural habitat, in the way that God was cre had, has created us to be, he has not created us to live in isolation from one another. How many people have seen the History Channel show called Alone? It's such a, no one. Okay, you're going to all be watching it and, and texting me about this. That is an awesome show, and it's uh, harrowing. It's, it's an innovative idea for a show because it takes 12 people and strands them on an island. 
Oh, wait, that's every show. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> this is different. These are all survivalists. So they're like, you know, ex-army rangers. They're, you know, whatever. They, they are the Bear grills of this world. And so they take them and they put them on the, like, isolated parts of these, uh, this island. So they split it up into like 10, eight, 10, 10 miles or so. And so you can only have your 10 miles of coastline. And you can't talk to anybody during the time. But the question is, who can survive the longest? So, so you'd think that the reason why they would, um, and, and you have like a button, you can push a button or, or, or you know, send out a, a one signal, um, or you open a phone and you can call for help, you know, if you get in medical emergency or something like that. Or, but if you do that, game's over and you don't win the half a million dollars or something, okay? So these guys, they, um, they're trying to get through this thing. You'd think that it was because they can't get enough food, because they're not going to stay warm enough, because they don't have a, a shelter to live in, uh, because you'd think of all, because of illness, whatever it is. No, almost all of the people can't stick with it because they can't stand being alone. You know, solitary confinement is the worst thing that you can ever have happen to you. In fact, it's inhumane. I can't even imagine why we would think that that would be a good thing to do a human, to a human being. Solitary confinement. It's torture to a human being to live in total isolation from other human beings. Yet, God preaches this to us at the very beginning of Scripture, and we still don't get it. What we're talking about with, with small groups, what we're talking about with community, is about engaging in healthy experiences of community where people can be like the epiphysis of your life. Epiphys. Epiphysis. Yes, thank you. Bless you. <laughs> where, where people can experience the word of truth being spoken into their life. Where they can actually have people around them saying, hey, you know what? I heard what you just said, but I just want to ask you, are you extending the same grace to yourself that God is extending to you? And then suddenly you go, oh, thank you. Thank you so much for that. I feel like I'm free. I'm not a captive anymore. It's a beautiful image that God presents for us to live in community with one another. Our natural habitat, as we'll learn in the coming weeks, is to live in relationship with God and relationship with one another. If we had communities on Mars, the only thing that we would need, because humans are incredible, the only thing that we would need in order to truly survive is a relationship with God and a relationship with others. Where is Paul when he is writing this letter? Does anybody know? Guess. He's always right. He's always there. He's, he's in jail. He's prison. Yeah, I was hearing the word, everybody's saying, jail, jail. I'm, I'm waiting for the word prison. So, yes, he's in prison. And Paul is talking about life and joy and goodness, and he's thriving, and he's actually more alive than so many of us. Why? Because he's in relationship with his brother Timothy, who's there right beside him, and who's walking alongside him during his imprisonment. Timothy probably came every single day to visit Paul in prison to spend time with him. Jesus actually commands us as part of the church to make sure that we go and visit the prisoners. Until we fulfill that vision as a church, I, I won't be happy. I'll know that there's always something tugging on us as a church to be the church that goes and visits people in isolation. Who is in prison in this world? Is it your neighbors? Who is it that is trying to cordon themselves off from others? And at the very end of this scripture, Paul provides this incredible vision. He says, and we read it, it says, in whom we, he says, he has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son, into the wild, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. 
See, Paul wants us to be warned that the rest of this letter that is supposed to be read in the church and supposed to be processed by all the believers is about living in unity, not just with those people that we like to live in unity with, but also with every human being that has ever lived. That God's design is for all of the children of God to live as one family. And that we are to not say, oh, well, you know what? Could I just live in community with just these people and not those because those people are bad people and those people have done things to me that I can't forgive? And then we realize and we hear the words of grace and we truly comprehend the message of grace that we need to not just extend the grace that we receive from God to ourselves, but we need to extend the grace we receive from God to other people. And that we need to be there for one another out of compassion and love. Paul has these beautiful words that we just kind of read past, but I want you to hear them. That's his prayer. He says, may you be made strong with all the strength that comes from his glorious power. And may you be prepared to endure everything with patience while joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. Wow. Let's stand and pray. Let's pray. Lord God, we pray for this word to sink deep into our hearts for us to, to begin to comprehend your grace in a new way today. We thank you so much for the grace that we witnessed on Easter, the grace that we witnessed um, here in this room today as you've drawn us closer to one another and closer to you, God. I, I pray a press, special blessing, a special prayer over the men's groups, the men who are stepping out in faith and going to be a part of that, and the women who are going to be a part of those women's groups and, and all those couples or anybody that wants to be living in community, Lord God, I pray a special prayer over them that they would uh, experience a new freedom that exists when we live in our new natural habitat. And pray that this series would, would challenge us and shape us and form us and call us into new experiences that wouldn't leave us confined in our cages, but would, would call us out into the wild and into new life and into freedom with you. And that we would discover deeply and intimately your grace and we would become not just receivers of it, but we would extend it to the world. And we pray this in Jesus' holy name. And all God's people said...